I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with Yang Wen. Yang is a seasoned multifamily real estate investor and syndicator specializing in value-add multifamily rentals. With over 10 years of experience as a scientist, Yang excels in analyzing complex data, employing financial models, and creative problem solving. Um, incidentally, we also know each other from our uh, a mutual uh, mentorship group. So um, I am really excited to have you on today, Yang. Thank you so much for taking the time out and coming to share your story. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason, for having me. I am so excited to share my story and also just to chat real estate. It's always a fun time. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, let's start with that. Let's start with just kind of hearing your background. Um, you know, tell tell people start wherever you want. Let us know about your your um, journey, and then we'll dive mm -hmm. into it. And I'll ask questions. Yeah, awesome. Um, so as Jason introduced me, uh, my name is Yang. I grew up in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Um, for anyone who needed a reference, it's essentially kind of the New York version of Vietnam. It's a really large city. Uh, I'm going to say a little bit chaotic and always so much things to do. Um, so yeah, very similar to the New York of the U.S., um, but maybe a bit, a lot hotter, if I could say. Uh, but yeah, so I grew up there. Um, I then went to school in Maine, middle of nowhere, Maine. Um, so that was quite uh, an environment switch for me. Um, and I actually went to school for biology in Maine. Uh, I went to a small liberal arts college called Bates College. And after I graduated from college, I actually... Uh, moved to Philadelphia, and I was working as a scientist generating gene therapy for a blood disorder called hemophilia A. So I was working as a scientist for almost 10 years before reaching my financial freedom through real estate investing. And so I left my W-2 entirely actually last August to become a full-time real estate investor. And my goal is to help people, especially immigrants, to invest in real estate passively so that they can actually have the time they need to, you know, create memories with their loved one, do whatever it is that they love, and be able to generate, you know, passive income and generational wealth through passive real estate investing. So yeah, that's what I'm up to now in my retirement life, so to speak. Retirement. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I know for a fact that you're working hard. So it's. Uh. It, oh yeah. To call it retirement oh, yeah. is, is hysterical. Funny story. Um. So I was telling my parents, right? I think this is a conversation that, um, I have to have with my parents because for them, they are used to having a W two for the rest of their life, right? They, they work all the way up to closer to 70 when they finally retire. Both of them were teachers and professors. So they are, you know, were placed very high value on education. 
And so for them, the stability, the stable thing, and the safety things to do is to work, to always have a job. Because for them, that is safety to have a job. And so when I was telling them that like, hey, I am, you know, financially free, I am moving into real estate. I can't tell you how many times I had to have a conversation with them about like, okay, no, mom, I do not want to go to school for pharmacy and become a pharmacist because for them, that is just the safety thing to do. Um, and yeah, so now my mom, you know, talk to my friends and be like, hey, yeah, you should invest in real estate with your job because Yang's only works like two hours a week. And I'm like, no, mom. Just because I don't have a W-2 means that I only work two hours a week. And like, yeah, as you mentioned, now that I'm retired, um, one thing I'm still like switching, you know, learning to balance, right, is now that I am in an entrepreneurship position, how do I balance between how much work do I do and then how do I balance that with actually you know, what I invest in real estate for, which is to spend time with my parents, to support them in their retirement, to train as a salsa dancer. So I'm still balancing that. How do I balance how much work I do and then how much I actually live my life, so to speak. But yeah, yeah. I don't think that part ever stopped, that balancing act. Yeah, well, um I, I love that you brought that up and we're definitely going to talk about that because that's mm -hmm. something uh, that I have had that sort of transition from a W2 world to um, being an entrepreneur is, is, a, is a tricky one. So um, I would love to mm -hmm. talk about that. But first, I, I just want to back up and kind of talk about, you know, your, your background and your story. Um, are your parents mm -hmm. here in the U.S.? Yeah, my parents are out here. Um, they came over a few years ago. Um, and that was very important for me and my sister as they're getting older. I definitely want them to be here so that we could have access to a better healthcare system. Um, and the main reason why um, I push so hard to grow in real estate uh, was because I actually needed the time and the flexibility to be able to take my parents to see the doctors now that they're getting older and they have some more health issues. So I definitely want to be able to be there for them. Um, and that was the main reason why I pushed really hard in growing real estate so that I have that financial freedom and that time freedom. Yeah. T tell us, I mean, you, you sort of uh, <laughs> breezed over what got you financial freedom. I know it's real estate, but but tell yeah. us a little bit about that sort of journey for you. I know, um, you know, you, you, you just left the W2 in August, but, but like, mm -hmm. what, what did you, when did you start? What did you do to get, I mean, I know we, you know, sort of some of the background from our mentorship group, mm -hmm. but, but tell the listeners, like, what, how did you start? What, what's, what path did you take along the way? Cause I think, um, you know, where you're at is a, is a really, uh, kind of inspirational point for a lot of people that may be thinking about, you know, sort of getting, whether it's passive or actively involved in real estate. So, so I'd love to hear kind of how, how that transition worked for you. Sure. Um, yeah. So I started investing in real estate accidentally in 2015. Um, at that point I was renting and there was a foreclosure that came on the market get just four blocks from where I was renting. So now at that point, I didn't know anything about real estate. I didn't even know mortgage existed. I knew nothing. 
And to be honest, I think because I knew nothing, I wasn't scared of anything, right? Like you can't be scared of what you don't know you're getting yourself into. Um, so I bought that foreclosure and that foreclosure was vacant for over 20 years. So first property out of the gate and we have no water, no HVAC, no electricity. And in fact, we actually had foundation issues when there was this two over two-story uh, tree that was growing in the backyard that was growing into this foundation wall. So first property out of the gate and I got an opportunity to learn a construction 101 crash course, learn as I went along. Um, and so that was a lot of YouTubing, a lot of uh, Googling, a lot of crying, if I'm honest, as I was going along. Um, and back then, I didn't have a community. I didn't know, you know, how I could, how I could get support. Um, but that property taught me that I could figure anything out, right? So that was give, that was really giving me the confidence that it doesn't matter what was happening, I could figure it out. Um, so from that property, I then went into, you know, now I learn a little bit more. I learned to research a little bit more. And so I went from that property into two duplex conversions. So they were single family that I convert into duplex because I was fully believing in the cash flow that I could get in multifamily. And that was very important for me. And then I actually took a pause for a little bit. I wanted to go to medical school. And so I took a pause to real estate and go a little bit more into preparing myself for medical school. And then in the middle of that, my dad got really sick back home and he was hospitalized. So that was a wake up moment for me when I realized that even though as a scientist, I had, to be honest, more flexibility than most jobs. Um, I couldn't quite leave for an extended period of time and go back home and really be there for my parents and to support them the way that I want to. So that was a wake up call for me. And that was a push for me to, you know, really take control of my time. So pandemic happened. I was educating myself a lot on multifamily and it really clicked that in order to fully replace my income where I needed to be was the larger multifamily side where one, I had a bit more cash flow, and two, it is evaluated like a business where it is evaluated based on its income and not based on the sell. So I educate myself a lot. And then just within six, seven months uh, from 2021 to 2022, um, I scaled my portfolio from that five doors to 28 doors. And I was very focused. Uh, I was very, very focused because at that point, all I wanted was to be able to replace my income. So I was focusing on a strong cash flow market. I was focusing on multifamily, five units or above. And I was very focused on building a team um, so that I could actually scale while I was having a full-time job. So I scaled that portfolio quickly uh, in a strong cash flow market that helped replace my income. And then I move on to syndication. So yeah, that's a long story of how I got to my financial freedom, uh, why I really love multifamily. And I, re I really, how I really believe that multifamily 
can really help people not only generate that cash flow, but also be able to build that generational wealth through investing in multifamily, whether passively or actively. Yeah. They, I, I want to, I know it's not, uh, wasn't a multifamily, but that first, that first foreclosure that you got, I want to talk about it a little bit. Cause I, I think you probably just scared a whole bunch of people, which is like, <laughs> which is, which is why, um, I feel like a lot of people maybe miss the opportunity in real estate. And, and again, what you did there, you know, you took a big step. You, it was a learning lesson. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there, there's, a lot to be had there as an active real estate investor. But what, what I think a lot of people don't understand and, and what, you know, when we talk about syndication, we talk about the passive investment. What people don't understand is, is you know, there are certain people that want to do it that way, right? Like they want to do the flips, they want to do the renovations, they want to, you know, sort of take that 20 year vacant house and turn it around into something beautiful that people will live in. There's other people that don't want to deal with that stuff. And, and the beauty is yep. you don't have to, and you can still be involved in real estate. And that's what passive real estate investing is. That's what, that's the whole point behind, you know, whether it's, whether it's a, a, a you know, technically a syndication or it's just, you know, you're a, a, a you know, money partner with someone like yourself on a, mm -hmm. on a flip like that. So um, I think it's, it's an important thing to point out, you know, and as, as you said, for you, I'm, I'm sure, you know, in between the tiers, there were a lot of learning lessons. Um, and, and that's in the active real estate world. I think it's a lot of that, right? I think it's a lot of that until you reach yep. such a scale that you have, as you said, you know, you've built that team and you've built a, a really big team where we're literally, you're just kind of the, the, um, conductor of the orchestra. You're, you're sort of, you yeah. have everybody, you know, pulling those strings for you and you're just, overseeing all of it but in the beginning you're involved in the day-to-day -day and, and that's um yeah. you know so, sometimes uh i feel like some people get get into real estate not knowing that right like they want they say i want to be active but don't know just how how active active is and that's sort of uh that's why it's funny that your your mom will now say you know that you work yeah. only two hours a week. <laughs> like, oh no, yeah. I'm 100% sure you probably work more hours now than you did before. Um, it's yeah. just not going to an office or a, you know, a, a, you know, specific, you're not punching a clock. Um, yeah. Jason, what you brought up was so important, right? Because one thing I always love to tell people is that real estate is flexible, right? Yeah. We love real estate because of its flexibility. Uh, back then, I didn't know, like I mentioned, I didn't know mortgage existed. I didn't know that you could invest passively, right? One thing that was very important for, I think, as an immigrant to um, understand is uh, as an immigrant, there's a lot of restriction that you can do outside of your time in your W-2. There's a lot of restriction around like whether immigrants can flip because it's considered an active position instead of a passive investment. So there's a lot of almost like legality around whether how immigrants can invest. And that's why I really think it's very important that, you know, I share the message that like, hey, this is available, that you can be in your full time position and be able to invest passively. Um, not only in time-wise, but also like legally-wise. Of course, everyone consult with your own lawyers, right? Um, but I back then, right? Like I mentioned, I didn't know 
any of this existed. I didn't know that I could hand over my money to someone and really leverage their time and leverage their experience and all the years that they have, you know, all the tears that they have spent on learning these lessons um, just so that I don't have to do it, right? Um, and I think one very important lesson that you brought up is that choice, right? People can choose how they want to be involved in real estate. What really got them out of bed in the morning, right? Like if if you're the person who's like, man, I can't wait to get up and meet my tenants and just like go around, collect rent, whatever that looks right, right? Or if you're like, hey, I can't wait to start laying down LVP flooring to spend time doing that, like, good for you. Like, absolutely go do that, right? You have an option to do that. But if that person is like, hey, I just rather wake up and take my kids to the beach, like, and just have my money working, there is that option for you as well to invest passively. And that's why I love about real estate. You can really be intentional with how you choose to spend your time and how you choose to have your money work for you. Yeah, and yeah. that community is just great to learn that. Yeah, yeah I, I love the, the word you used, flexible, right? It, it's it's like literally anybody can be involved in real estate and you kind of can be involved mm -hmm. in whatever capacity you want to, you know, be as active as you want to, be as passive as you want to. You can pick different asset yeah. classes. Like like it's 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 hard to go wrong. Like it's obviously you can <laughs> You can do it wrong or you can, you know, yeah. have challenges. It's not easy, but it's, it's, it's very accessible in some way to, to, to nearly everyone. Um, I didn't, I didn't know uh, that there were sort of legal limitations on immigrants being able to invest. Do you, do you, do you mind talking about that a little bit? I, I'm actually just intrigued. Yeah. I, I don't, I've never heard that before. So what are you, what are you referring to? Like, what are, what are some of those rules and uh, like, Neither of us are CPAs or attorneys or right. all of the yep. disclaimer things that you need to say. This is truly just a yep. conversation about um, just a conversation. something that I Absolutely. find fascinating that, that you mentioned. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, I grew up in Vietnam and I came over here for college. So I was under a visa called F1, which is for a student visa. Um, I do think that overall, um, as an immigrant, there is a lot of restriction um, there's a lot of restriction in terms of like how you can borrow money. For example, um, I think as any active investors, you probably would have heard that the one of the most, I'm going to, I'm going to say um, advantageous type of loan is to borrow from a credit union, right? Or from mm -hmm. a community bank, because they always have the best terms, the best interest rate. Now, one thing that I don't think a lot of people have mentioned is as an immigrant, uh, a lot of people actually don't lend to people who are neither U.S. citizens or U.S. permanent residents. So as I started out investing, I was under a work visa called H-1B. And so under an H-1B, there's a lot of restriction on who, on who I can actually borrow money from. And not really from my end, but from the bank side a lot of credit unions do not lend money out to anyone unless they are a u.s citizens or they are a permanent resident and so literally as i was starting to grow my portfolio i had to have a conversation with like 25 30 banks only to find actually certain number of banks who actually would lend to people who are on an h1b visa 
So I do think there's a lot of restriction set up to, um, and it make it a little bit harder for immigrants to actually invest in real estate actively. Certainly there's ways around that. It's just, you just have to have more conversations. You spend more time and there's just a lot more things. I want to say a lot more hoops that you're going to have to jump through. Um, so at that point, right, I, like I mentioned, I didn't know that passive investing exists because for me, at that point, passive investing would remove a lot of these hoops that I have to jump through, right? I don't have to talk to lenders. I don't have to find hard money lenders or even bank. And why still be able to get the best rate? Um, I don't, um, the other thing that I want to mention is for a lot of visa, um, H-1B specifically, but also other work visas, one of the requirements is that you can only work for your active employer or whoever give, give you that visa. Again, I am not a lawyer. So uh, of course, always cons uh, consult your own immigration lawyer. Uh, but for a lot of uh, immigrants or like for me specifically on an H-1B visa, um, I could invest in rental, but flipping is not advised, at least by my lawyers, because that is considered an actively, you know, I am actively doing something or working in something outside of my W-2. So I couldn't flip, um, I couldn't wholesale, I obviously could not become a real estate agent, a lot of that was um, would would have violated my terms of my work visa. So I think there's certain certain that aspect in real estate investings that I think you know you need to take into account if you're an immigrant in the U.S. Um, there's also certainly right um, when I talk to people from back home, a lot of people would like to invest in the U.S. market, but it is challenging to invest when you are abroad. So that's also, you know, who I would love to help is, you know, other people who are outside of the U.S. who would like to invest in the U.S. while not physically being here and, you know, be able to invest with the expertise already in place in that local market. But yeah, there's a lot of, I think, different hoops that you kind of have to consider as an immigrant investing in the U.S. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Thank you for um, sharing that. I, I I didn't know. I've never heard anyone talk about that before. So, um, interesting information. And I, uh, you know, whatever. I, I guess I don't. Nobody cares what I think about these laws and rules. But it seems silly to, um, you know, limit anyone's, uh, I guess, attempts to 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 build a better life for themselves. So, um, how did you? So how did you do that when it came to that first foreclosure? What what did you, how did you find lending for that first foreclosure? I know you said you spoke with a lot of different lenders or did you get a hard money yep. lender? What, what was your process? Yeah. So at that point, again, I did not know anything about lending. Um, so I did not know that I, so at that point, I, luckily I came out of college. Um, I went to college with a scholarship. So I went out of college without student loans. So I was saving a lot during my first few years of working. So at that point, I saved enough for a chunk of cash. So that was enough for me to purchase the uh, foreclosure with all cash. 
And then at point, uh, my ex and I was doing a lot of sweat equity to rehab the property, learning things along. So that was so also really helped with saving with the construction. But all of that was done with cash because I did not know that I could have used a hard money lender. Now, after that, because I was living in the property, I was able to then cash out refinance using a conventional loan. And so that was okay for me to do. Um, I couldn't really hold it in an LLC. And that was essentially under my personal name because it was a conventional loan. So for a while, I couldn't really take advantage of commercial loans um, because a lot of credit unions and a lot of banks would say no. Um, so all of this, just not to say, I'm, I'm not trying to discourage people from investing because I really think that is very important, especially if you're an immigrant to invest, because I do think that a lot of, I want to say share um, myth that people think is that as immigrant, you're, you cannot own real estate in the US. And I do think that, you know, that's as a community, we might be missing out on what investing in real estate could help. Um, so yeah, I was I was using a conventional loan, just a lot of conversations. And then um, that was so kind of didn't help me grow as quickly because, you know, conventional loan, DTI, a lot of that was taken into account. Um, but yeah, but I think that's just why I'm really excited to be able to share um, more information about investing as an immigrant, um, because I really think that there is uh, it will be really helpful for anyone um, in growing their passive income and growing their wealth as an immigrant in the U.S. Yeah, I think that's fantastic uh, uh, to be a resource for that um, in the sense that, you know, you can share your experiences and and as you continue to grow and, you know, advance in your real estate career, there's just more and more to share. So that's that's amazing. Um I know you, you sort of earlier sort of wrapped up your story with, and now I'm doing syndication, which makes it sound like that's so easy and simple. And, and <laughs> what, but um, you want to talk about that a little bit, sort of your transition into into syndication? Sure. Um, yeah. As I mentioned, even though my mom thinks I work two hours a week, I now work, I'm going to say harder than ever. Um, not because I have to. Um, but I really want to as a syndicator because I do feel like, to be honest, I think syndication is a lot more challenging. Um, there's a lot more work to be done. Um, even though we have a team, even though we have things in place, just taking down something so like larger just require a lot of coordination, a lot of work. So I am now doing a lot more work as a syndicator. Um, to be honest, I do a, that require a lot more work than my own personal portfolio because, you know, taking down a five to eight units with team in place is much easier compared to taking down a 42, 70 something units, even though we have a team, right? Um, yeah, so I switch over to become a syndicator. Um, honestly, mainly because I really want to be able to make this available to other people. Because as I mentioned, as an immigrant, you know, I didn't know that this existed. Um, and I do think for a lot of people when I talk to, so I work in a hospital, I talk to other scientists, and I talk to other doctors. Um, a lot of people didn't know that they could invest in real estate while literally not having to do anything. 
right? I feel like when I talk to people, what stopped them from get, getting into real estate is the time that they think is needed to get into such an asset or two, the, the steep learning curve that we all experience as we're going through the real estate world. So as I talk to a lot of my colleagues who like, you know, didn't understand like what is involved, I think that was really a push for me to be like, hey, I really want to make this available for them. I really want to make this available to other immigrants who want to grow wealth in the U.S. Um, and to be honest, one thing I love about real estate is to be able to work with like amazing partners. Um, and syndication is, a, am going to say, a sure way that you have to have partners because like I mentioned, it's a lot of work, a lot of things involved. Yeah. And so one thing I really enjoy being a syndicator is just being able to meet amazing partners that I get to work with, um, that I get to grow with, um, and really to push myself to taking down something larger as a team, as a community. Um, so yeah, all those things really attract me to go into that side of real estate investing. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, everything you're saying, you know, as as a fellow Cindy, I mean, it all makes sense, right? It's, it's not a, yeah. it's not a do it yourself. There's not, there's no, there's, I don't think you could possibly DIY a syndication. I mean, like, I guess if you were in theory, you could syndicate any size. So maybe technically you could syndicate something very small and, and, and kind of be okay doing it yourself. But, but as you grow uh, in scale, you know, it just, it, it requires team, uh, whether those are partners or, or employees, it, it requires team for sure. Um, let's talk about leaving the W2, because I think mm. that this is a thing that very commonly in the real estate space is like put out there as this like mecca that you at some point you'll mm. you you just want to leave your w2 like that's the, the only reason you do this is this is so important yeah. um but i think the the interesting thing is is one um in saying that i think you're you're forgetting some of the advantages of a w2 in that mm -hmm. yes you work for someone else maybe you don't like people can argue the stability of that but also you have in a way, guaranteed income coming in, right? So, mm -hmm. so what I what I want to my point I want to make here is to tell people like maybe don't leave it too soon. Maybe don't make it be the singular goal, right? So, so because it's 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 a challenge on a number of levels, and I think as you alluded to before, and I want to talk about here, just mm -hmm. that transition from a very structured life, which most of us have had forever. <laughs> like mm -hmm. literally, you, you know, as, as a child, you start going to school, you know, school is certain days, certain hours. Then you go to mm -hmm. high school, college, uh, maybe further training. If you're, you know, a scientist, a doctor, whatever people that, you know, go to school for, you have everything structured. Then you get a job. They tell you when to be there. That's, and it's like, we say that we don't like that structure, that we don't want to be told what to do, but I don't think that's entirely true. I think mm -hmm. some people actually thrive and do better with structure and figuring out how to create that yourself, at least from my perspective, was the hardest part about moving from a, you know, sort of a W2 life to an entrepreneurial life. And, I, and I'm really interested to hear your take on it. 
Yeah, that is such a great point that you brought up. Um, and I kind of, and I want to comment on this from, I guess, different perspective uh, under different roles, right? Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that a lot of people, let's say, and you, you totally hit it, hit the nails on the head, right? Like a lot of people think that leaving your WG2 is that ultimate goal, right? That be all and all goal, right? Um, and I, when I talk to people, what I always want to bring up to is that you invest in real estate so that you have a choice, right? Yeah. Ultimately, that's, that's, that's all we want, right? That choice that we can make with our time. If that W-2 is that choice that you want to make, right? If you get out of bed and like, hey, your W-2 is what's very fulfilling for you, absolutely go for that, right? The only thing that we all advocate for building towards is having that choice of, you know, what it looks like if you do need to make that choice to leave your W-2, would you be able to do that, right? And I want to share a story. Um, so like we're, I was just talking to a lawyer. Um, I was just working with a lawyer the other day and he was taking just a little bit to get back to me. Um, and, you know, we follow up like, Hey, you know, just want to follow up, see how things are going. And when we hop on a call, he was sharing with us that like, Hey, sorry, I got hospitalized over the weekend and I thought it was, you know, just an emergency trip, but now it's actually a very serious health issues that I am now essentially shuffling all my workload. And, you know, I'm going to help you guys on this, but you know, I'm essentially shuffling my workload and no longer doing a lot of things so I can focus on, on my health, right? Yeah. That decision needed to happen over one weekend and that, and, and that, and his whole world change. And now I, I do think he's going to be okay. Like, I think he has, you know, his business and I think, you know, he's, he's going to figure some things out, out, but I think what that story, what I really want to push on people understand is I think this is why passive income can't wait because you just don't know what would happen, right? You just don't know exactly when you would need that passive income. And if you wait until you need that passive income to build that passive income, then it's too late. So I think this is very important for people to understand that all we're working towards is a choice to call what we do with that time, whether that's stay in your W-2 and have a real fulfilling career or just like, hey, I no longer want to work a W-2 or even I just want to work it part time and have a bit more time freedom of my life, right? I think the choice is all what we're advocating for. And um, what you mentioned about that structure, it, it, it's definitely like uh, something that I'm getting used to, right? Um, I don't think I share this entirely publicly, um, but about six months from after I quit my job, I wanted to go back and have a W-2. And not entirely as a scientist, but I was considering whether, you know, working in a syndication company where I, what I was really missing is that I was really missing being a part of something much larger than myself. So for me as a syndicator, I have partners, right? But I could be maybe leading a project or we'll all be splitting as like equal role. But I was really missing being a part of a company of having like that core team that I go to work daily with. So I was really having a hard time with that trans transition because I was working 
day in, day out with a close-knit team for almost 10 years to like advance gene therapy yeah. for blood disorder, right? So I was really missing that mission and missing being a part of something bigger than myself. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, I think that structure was, was very important to put into place and I'm still really figuring that out, right? As an entrepreneur, I feel like we wear many hats and even when we have support, we're still wearing many hats. Um, so figuring out what the balance look like, figuring out what the structure looks like. Um, and I am, one thing I'm just putting in place is I'm just allowing myself the grace to figure it out because I don't think any of us would ever be in a position that we're half-life completely figure out. So I am just accepting this figuring out piece as part of the journey and just embracing it. And, you know, being part of community, like the community that we're in, being a part of other community, hearing other people's stories and hearing what they're up to, I think it's been very helpful um, to see like, hey, maybe I can try this, maybe I can try that. And just kind of having kind of a connection with other people. Um, I think that's been what I'm putting to place to help with this transition. But yeah, figuring out as I go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Two, two things that that was I mean really everything you said there was amazing um two things I want to point out specifically especially to people listening go back rewind this and start where Yang said passive income can't wait or or maybe start a minute before that but but listen to that over and over again because that is like that might be the most important segment that has ever happened on this podcast like the most important <laughs> set of things that you just said because it's 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 so true you know and it like your your story is a great one and and this is like in in hindsight or in uh comparison to that this is a, a silly story but like my daughter yeah like my kids are like everything to me my daughter she was kind of sick over the weekend had a cough you know runny nose whatever not a big deal they have them all the time kids in daycare they get they get this stuff Yesterday, she wouldn't eat and basically couldn't keep her eyes open and then like threw up all over the place and was like super wow. lethargic. Mm. Uh, like if I had a W-2 job that I couldn't have come home and or been home when it was happening, like that would have been, it was stressful anyway, but it would have been like dramatically more stressful to myself, to my wife, like mm -hmm. I, because- I, you know, I work home. I have an office at like out, out in my garage. Like, it, you know, I, I find out this is happening and I, mm -hmm. I dropped everything I was doing. And I'm like, we're taking her to the doctor. Like if they don't have a, if the pediatrician doesn't have an appointment, we'll, we'll get, you know, we'll go to urgent care or whatever. Like, and it, and I, I thought about it. I thought really about like, there are things like, like forget like missing, you know, practices, recitals, games, all of that stuff, because you have a, a mm -hmm. schedule that you have to follow. But like, like health is so much, Yeah, you know, I, she has, she has strep throat, like kids get strep throat. It's not, it's not like the end of the world, but to me, like, this is the first time she's ever had anything like this. She's not even too, like, I, I hadn't seen her like that ever before. And it, it really stressed me out. And I have, uh, you know, I have friends that have had kids with far worse illnesses and things like, like I, it, yeah. it's, this is not like a, woe is me. It's to make the point of 
I was able to be there. I was able to go to yeah. the pediatrician with her and my wife and Holder and, and all of it. And so it was just like, when I, when I think, you know, there are days that, that I have had the same thoughts of like, it would be easier just to go back and get a job, right? It would be easier to go back and be in a W as a W2 employee in, in, in some, in, in some instances it would be, but the reality is like what this creates for me mm-hmm. in terms of my time freedom and also like the financial freedom that's, that's going to grow with time with for my family, for my kids' families, for our investors, like this is this yeah. this is like when you start to realize the importance, you know, of of the impact that you can have on a larger scale outside of just your own house. Even like like what you're talking about in terms of you know helping immigrants get in, in uh, involved in investing. That's I have the similar. Um, sort of thought process as far as getting veterinarians involved in investing, like it, it's we you you have that community, and you mm-hmm. you you have found something that you know sort of stumbled into this arena where you figure out, wait a minute, like I can really help people, like I can really help people like me, uh, and they don't have to do all the work that I that I have done yeah. or are doing. And, and like, like personally for me, I really love the active side of it. I, I, I enjoy yeah. real estate. I think it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like five years, 10 years down the road, I fully expect to be in a place where I will be able to be 100% passive if that's what I choose. And so mm-hmm. it's, you know, we're in the like, we're investing alongside of our investors, our own money so that essentially to get to the same place, right? It's like, we'll do the work now, Mm -hmm. but we all are trying to get to the same thing. So I just, I I wanted to highlight those things you just touched on, because I I really do think that part about, you know, passive income can't wait. Um, It's such an important point. um, And it, I always talk about time, the value of time, but mm-hmm. but that's exactly a reason why, right? So use time to your yeah. advantage. Don't wait on this stuff and 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 get going somehow. Like find find a way to to be involved. So um, I just really loved yeah. what you said, and I'm I'm uh, I, I wanted to kind of reiterate. Yeah, and Jason, I I want to point out something that you were talking about. Um, you were you know I love that you were able to be there for your family. And, you know, you mentioned how, like, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. And I think for most people, right, like, it isn't the end of the world until until it is, right? Like, And, and you just never right. know. Like, you just right. never know when it is that key moment that you just really can't miss. Um, And so, like, do you want to wait until that it is the key moment and now you're forced to choose something? Mm-hmm. Um, But also, I, what I want to point out is, you know, you understood that it was strep throat whatever that was right but I can't imagine for your kids like she was like they were not feeling great and it doesn't matter what it was like they were just not feeling great and for them it's probably like this feels like the end of the war for them like they were struggling and so I was really I really appreciate that you were able to be there for them and be it was really be able to be there and you know you don't have to choose of like hey it's sorry sorry kid it's just a strep throat so you know you, you go through it right. and be and be able to be there for your wife throughout all that process. And I think it's very important that we could have that choice to, um, you know, do what we, what, what needed 
Uh, one thing I also want to point to is this is why I love being um, a syndicator and actually having the right partners on the team. Because for me, for any of my partners, right, what I really stand for is, you know, they have their life that they need to be able to be there for their family and for whatever they need to do without having to worry that like, hey, I'm gonna, you know, this is my part and I'm gonna drop the ball and I just have to like do this. Why like not being there for my family? So I think this is why we we have the right partners on the team where like, hey, I understand you have to be there for your family. Like, please go, please take care of yourself. Please take care of your family. We'll, you know, we'll pick up your part and then you can come back whenever that works, right? Like being able to have partners. And this is why it's also great for our investors to know that like, because we have a team in place, we can essentially almost manage any of these part. And even though we have partners, any of us can pick up these part, right? So for them to know like, hey, their money is working. They can take care of their family. They can do whatever they need to do. And we have a system in place where we can take care of whatever is coming up. So I think that like when, I think this is when moving to a larger asset is very, is very important key to allow us to be able to have multiple partners, have multiple things in place so that we can function more efficiently. We can actually take down something larger that we can all profit from. And I think this is the beauty of multifamily syndication on the larger scale, um, going far by going together, right? Like that's always the nice things of syndication. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I, I think um, just just great points. I, I love I love this conversation. Um, I don't want to keep you all night long. Um, I want to get to the part where I get to ask you the questions I ask every guest. Um, and mm -hmm. certainly we will get to continue talking, uh, outside of this podcast, thankfully. Um, but so, so my first question is always, uh, related to the name of the show, uh, being know your why. So, so what is your why? And I think, uh, I think I probably have a sense for what you might say here, but, mm -hmm. um, I, I want to give you the opportunity to really, um, sort of define it. And, and, and I recognize too, that, that it shifts over time. You know, I've, I've had, I've mm -hmm. had shifts in my own why I've had guests that have that sort of, um, evolve evolution of their why. So, so what is your why Yang? What, what keeps you going? Yeah. Um, so my big why is being able to support my parents in their retirement, um, being able to build a financial legacy for my future family while still having the time to create memories with my parents and, you know, whenever I have family. Um, so I think um, for me, I always think of it as, you know, generational wealth is not just for my kids. Generational wealth is, you know, to be able to take care of my parents and actually spend the precious time with them while building that legacy for my future family. So that's one of my big why. Um, and the other big why is allowing people to do the same. So um, that's why I got into my syndication. Um, and that's what got me out of bed in the morning. And that's what I get to do now. So yeah. When you're working your two hours a week. <laughs> yeah, I'm working only two hours a week to get all of this happen. Yeah, exactly. Easy peasy, um, right? <laughs> awesome. Um, tell us something about yourself uh, that isn't common knowledge 
I have something I want to ask you about related to this, but tell us something about just to just to let it listeners know you a little bit better. If you don't pick what I'm thinking of, then I have I have uh, follow up <laughs> questions. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure if this is non-common knowledge. I can tell you something that's non-common knowledge later. But also, um, I am a competitive salsa dancer. Um, so I have been dancing since I was a kid. Uh, I started with traditional Vietnamese dance. I uh, did some jazz, hip hop. And I got into salsa dancing about five years ago and got completely hooked. Um, if you guys don't know anything about salsa dancing, highly suggest you guys take a class. It's really fun. Um, and the, the reason why I really love it is it's essentially like a conversation and it's a language that you're learning. So, you know, I was used to like a choreography, choreography world when you learn a certain move and you just repeat the same moves. Uh, for salsa dancing, the nice thing about it is it's literally a conversation. It's a lead and follow dance. So you can meet anyone randomly from across the world and you would be able to share a dance or have that conversation. Um, and you could have dance with the same person over and over, but your dance would never be the same. So it's like really fun, spontaneous dancing that, and really allows you to connect with completely random stranger um, in this beautiful dance. So I got really hooked into it. Um, we training for competition every January in Miami. Um, so yeah, it's definitely what I do. Uh, the other thing I don't think I'll share is I actually in college, I wanted to become a vet. So <laughs> I actually was shadowing a lot of emergency vet. I was small animal vet. I actually wanted to uh, become a wildlife vet. Um, so I spent a chunk of my college career uh, pursuing that um, passion, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. I know some wildlife vets. Um, that's yeah. Funny. <laughs> um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you, what's what's the best place? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they can go to my website, oneRiverCapital.com with one spell out, O-N-E. Um, so that is oneRiverCapital.com. I am also on Instagram and Facebook uh, under that Salsa Investor, Salsa as a Dance. Um, but yeah, I am active on Instagram. I'm really happy to chat and connect and to share a story. Um, so yeah, feel free to reach out. Uh, you will be doing me a favor as I'm now an entrepreneur and I like don't have interaction with people. Just kidding. <laughs> I do have interaction with people, but this is why I love connecting and investing as a syndicator because there is that community aspect. But yeah, happy to chat, happy to connect. Um, and yeah. Awesome. Final question for you, Yang. What is a piece of advice you would give to someone who is getting started in in real estate? And you can, um, you know, sort of target that towards active or passive investors, whichever you'd like, or yeah. both. Um, I think that one advice I would give is. Um, I would think that you are maybe one conversation, one relationship, one action away from completely changing your life. Um, I really think that it is so hard connecting the dots, looking forward. Um, cause, and maybe you can share this as well during like, as an entrepreneurship, right? Like, I feel like sometimes you're doing the action. And it almost feels like it's not leading anywhere. And all of a sudden, you know, 
things just connect and everything just looks dramatically different, right? Yeah. But it's so hard connecting these dots looking forward because it's, it's so hard to connect to where it's going. But it makes so much sense looking backward because you can totally see like, oh yeah, I had this conversation with that person. That person lead me to this person and then this person lead me to X, Y, Z, right? So I really think that everyone is like one relationship, one conversation and one action away from completely changing their life. So um, if you're getting started, whether active or passive investors, uh, go out there and build relationship, build relationship with active investors, with passive investors, even if you're not thinking that you're going to invest, um, because when a deal comes through, right, like a lot of 506B, you can only introduce it to people that you already have a relationship with. So mm -hmm. these relationships are very important because like I mentioned, when it's you need that relationship, it's probably too late to build. So always go out there, build relationship, have conversation and and yeah, you will be in a position with a completely changing your life. And yeah, go yeah. have conversation with people. Yeah, it's it's so true. And it 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 uh I mean to piggyback off that, I think it has a lot to do with you know, the, these conversations you would have, mm -hmm. you know, some of those people might turn into your mentors and that yeah. will help you connect those dots, you know, going forward. Cause you can see even, even if nothing else, you see that, that they did it right. That you yeah. say, you see, okay, I see a life that I want. I see someone who has that life um, mm -hmm. or, you know, something. And, and so now, you know, that there is a path forward to that. And it's just a matter of kind of um, figuring that out and, and tying that into however that fits into your own life. So um, yeah. yeah, really, really great advice. Um, and Yang, this was, this was phenomenal. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, thank you for, for sharing, uh, sharing your story and, and um, all the value that you brought to the listeners. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Um, I had so much fun chatting and yeah, I can't wait to chat further. Yeah, absolutely. And folks listening, uh, I know you're going to love this episode. Please like, rate, and review the podcast that allows us to grow our reach and get more great guests like Yang, uh, and have these, these phenomenal conversations. So thank you so much. Um, have a great day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey without a strong why it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.